0: The scripture reading this morning is taken from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. So then, you who are those of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by the things written in the books of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law You may be seated.
1: What that video portrays, I think, is an all too, re- too real um, understanding about our world is that we live in a bit of a narcissistic culture, don't we? And, and, and we're, told, we're told that uh, social media and technology are the things that have really cultivated this over-infatuated and, and really over-inflated sense mm-hmm. Of self-importance. And I think that's part of it when we're thinking of narcissism. That's clearly part of it. But I also think there's a lot more going on there. There's a lot more in that behind the Instagram profile, behind the Facebook profile, behind the Twitter feed, behind the Christmas card. This isn't just generationally located, but for broadly us as a culture, behind all of that. And as a pastor, I meet with a lot of people and I hear this over and over again most people, regardless of what they're presenting, aren't doing that great. And there's one emotion that underlies so much of how we see ourselves that undergirds and informs how we behave in the world, and that emotion is insecurity. Insecurity is this deep consciousness that something isn't right and that something is me. And when you start to get faced with those insecure feelings thoughts that the insecurity within ourselves we'll do anything to get right we'll do anything to feel right to be right but nothing seems to quiet this inner self critical voice that seems to spark up. When we get close to accomplishments or even move past and have achieved great accomplishments, it seems like that inner critical voice is shouting. When we're far away and we feel like we've failed in a lot of significant ways, that inner critical voice whispers the affirmations of what we're so deeply afraid of. You see, outside of the photos and the portfolios and the resumes and the profiles that we put before the world this inner critical voice whisper thing, whispers things like, you're not convincing anyone. You'll never measure up. No one ever notices you. Your best days are behind you. You're not worth it. You're such a screw-up. You're not good at anything. They're going to find you out. And then ultimately behind all of this is this universal heartbreaking claim that, that this inner critical voice shouts, And it's this, you're not really lovable. And we'll do anything to shut that voice up, anything. And if you've tried this at any length, if you've ever tried to get yourself right, if you've ever tried anything to just quiet that voice, then you also know no matter how hard you work, there's nothing, not just, there there can't just be anything to quiet that voice. You need something in particular, and, and often we feel lost at what that is. We need direction. So what do we do? What do we do in the midst of our insecurity? What do we do when that inner critical voice is screaming out, is crying out? Well, fortunately for us, we're not the first people to ask this question. Even though in the 21st century, social media has made much of the, you know, the profiles of our lives ubiquitous and available, the question around insecurity is something as old as the brokenness of humanity. And men and women in the first century share our concern. And they actually got so mixed up in trying to get right that they found themselves in the furthest place from right. Right. And so what we're going to discover this morning is that the universal and the unified witness of Scripture shouts this, that there's only one way to get right. Only one way to get right. And it's the road less traveled. It's the narrow path we often overlook because we're so consumed with ourselves. And yet it's the only path that ultimately at the end comes with the security our hearts long for. And so over the next few minutes, we're going to have the opportunity to hear the brilliance of Scripture through the Apostle Paul as he reveals the secret to a robust inner confidence, a secret you and I so desperately need today. And once again, we're reminded just how relevant this timeless and historic book, the Bible, still speaks into the issues that you and I wrestle with today. So if you haven't already, would you please turn with me to Galatians chapter? 3 beginning in verse 1. And listen again to Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Paul doesn't pull any punches here. What does he say right off the, right off the get-go? Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And if you look down to verse 3, he hits him again with this. Are you so foolish? In other words, you're acting crazy do you see what's going on? Do you see how crazy, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in the community? You guys are acting nuts. And then he goes into four questions over the next four verses to really hammer home his point. Verses two through five, here they are. One, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's verse two. Verse three, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected? By the flesh, that's verse 3. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The reason Paul thinks these Galatian Christians are acting absolutely crazy is because they knew the only way to get right And instead, they've chose to identify, to find their security in this antiquated and subpar system that had left them broken before. They knew that system. They had seen and tasted the freedom that comes in Christ. They had seen the evidence of the work of God through the Spirit, and they returned to this empty system. Now, to be fair, it's not like they came to this conclusion on their own. There were some insecure folks with a religious pedigree who came into this church in southern Galatia in the first century. And these insecure folks are really convincing. You know the type. I mean, you're kind of going about your day, right? You're going about your day and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, and then two seconds into a conversation with this kind of person and you feel miserable. You know, you've had those conversations. You're, you're in the middle of just a, a wonderful day, it feels like bluebirds are singing on your shoulder, and then two seconds in, you just want to curl up. In the midst of this conversation, curl up in the fetal position in a corner somewhere. Insecure people want to make you feel insecure. And they do it through a myriad of ways. They can either you know, showcase their accomplishments whenever they come into the room or do the all encompassing humble brag familiar with the humble brag? Some of you know what the humble brag is. Some of you are like, yeah, I definitely know the humble. That's basically where you describe a difficult thing in your life that you only have because of how amazing your life is. Oh, I'm a high-powered executive and I'm always traveling. Oh, I really feel sorry for you. You know, like and all expenses paid, first class, you know, I get it. Um, that's the humble brag. Or always complaining and discontent with the way things are in order to show the world that you have higher standards than everyone else. Insecurity is a form of misery and that it loves company. And insecure people always want to make you feel insecure. And how these insecure folks told the Galatian Christians that they needed or were making them insecure is that they, they told them that they needed to prove themselves, that they actually needed to prove to God that they were committed enough, that they were real Christians. And how were they, according to these insecure folks, to prove that they were real Christians? They were to adhere to all the works of the law. We see this, right? Four times in these questions, the works of the law. This is a way of talking about the commands, the regulations, and the traditions of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. And the Galatian Christians, listen, they were willing to do it. They were willing to be circumcised, to give up bacon, the whole nine yards. I mean, they were committed. They just weren't committed to Jesus. Jesus. And they started to fall into these old systems of trying to justify their existence, to to prove to themselves, to the world, and even to God that they were right enough. But Paul's timeless point right here from the get-go is abundantly clear that trying to get yourself right is crazy talk. (laughs) Because no matter... No amount of work, no matter what you try, if you can begin to compare yourself against a law, any law, God's law, it'll never be enough to quiet that inner critical voice that's whispering those words of insecurity in the recesses of your heart. And listen, just because it happened to the Galatians doesn't mean that we're immune to this. We're all vulnerable to this kind of craziness. Insecurity, it creeps in and we start to play this losing game without even realizing it. We measure ourselves against these many rules of life. And then we go about like insecure folks trying to prove to everyone that we're really right. And it can look like so many different pictures. One, you could be the kind of person who buys the right art from the right people who are supporting the right cause and then when you get around a certain group of people, you make sure at that strategic moment to tell them you bought the right art from the right people that were supporting the right cause so that they might see you as right. Maybe you thought if you married the right person, bought the right house, moved to the right neighborhood, had the right amount of kids, then you would feel right, but inside you still hear that inner critical voice whispering those words of insecurity. Maybe you thought if you just cared for the right people, worked against the wrong things in the world, and shot after the right things in the world, then you would finally feel right with the world, but instead inside that inner critical voice never seems to be silenced. And that's because the problem with measuring yourself against any law, whatever that law might be, is that measuring yourself against a law requires 100% adherence. And no one in this room is that consistent. And so the result is that we either lower the bar to such an extreme that life feels a bit meaningless, or we uphold a standard or even God's standard of humanity, and we find ourselves in despair, never measuring up. Trying to get yourself right is crazy talk. You can't atone for your own sins. You can't fix what you've broken. You can't fix in your life what other people have broken. You can't earn your own rightness. And what will happen if you continue down... That path is that the life outside of this facade that you've presented, in whatever form it is you present it, the hidden life that's actually going on inside of you will be riddled with anxiety, depression, and will ultimately lead to loneliness. Here's why because the fear that somebody actually might find out who you really are is so great because if they find out who you really are, at least what you think, if they find out who you really are behind this facade, then they'll affirm what that inner critical voice has been saying all along, and you will not only feel like a failure, but feel affirmed in your failure and utterly unlovable. So what do we do? Is there anything we can do to get right? There is one thing, and it's, It's better than any self-help project that we can find in the world. It's the cure to that inner critical voice that comes from all of these empty legalistic structures, even the legalistic structure that says that there should be no universal rules which crumbles in the end. All of those tear down. The only thing that can make you whole. You need to hear God say, you're all right and mean it. You need to hear God say, you're all right and mean it. There's a word for this in the Bible. It's justification. And it's absolutely central to the goodness of the good news of the gospel. Martin Luther, the great Christian reformer of the faith, has said this, if the article of justification be once lost, then all true Christian doctrine is lost justification is the answer to the demands of the universe that are echoed in every human heart. Answer to the demands of that inner critical voice. It's the acknowledgement that we not only need but want to be judged. And the person who can judge us to bring some validation to our experience has to have an authority greater than ourselves. Because we are a war within ourselves of both condemning and seeking approval. Every single one of our lives, whether we admit it explicitly or living it implicitly, is a life before a courtroom. And we have a longing that is too deep for words that we might just be justified for existing, that we might be declared innocent, blameless, right, and free of all the evil we see perpetuated in the world. We long for that, to be declared innocent, to be declared right, that in the midst of all this brokenness, we're right with God, with ourselves. But when the law of the universe is held up against our hearts, what's the verdict? You see, the dangerous thing is that that inner critical spirit knows the verdict. God knows the verdict, and so does Paul. Look with me here at Galatians chapter three, verse ten. Quoting from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Apostle Paul writes, "Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them." Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. All is this big little word, isn't it? All encompasses and points to 100% adherence perfection, not the slightest twinge of deceit, not the smallest inkling of manipulation, not even the littlest bit of exaggeration. Not even Gandhi professed to be that. And so what's the gospel's response to this curse that is laid upon everybody who upholds any sort of law? Look again at the rest of verse 11. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Those who are right live by faith. Trust in some rightness outside of themselves. And what is this rightness that they're trusting in that they have not earned, but they have to the trust comes from somewhere else outside of themselves? Look at verse 13. Follow the logic of the Apostle Paul. He writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by Becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. You see, in the courtroom of life, we are cursed. We are condemned. No matter what law you uphold. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a really thoughtful preacher in the midst of the 20th century, wrote and preached once that, you know, you could even put a tape recorder or any sort of recording device in the 21st century, I guess, because who has a tape recorder? But you have a tape, something that records every time you say, you shall not, or you should not. And it just recorded when you communicated a rule or a law that you held other people to. And it only recorded then. If it just recorded when you communicated the rules that other people should adhere to and it was played at the end of your life, you would fail your own standard again and again and again. Because no one holds to 100% adherence to any law, whether God's law or any fabricated law. And the good news, the amazing news that's at the center of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ, the God-man, the only man within history, the Son of God, who perfectly adhered to the law of God, actually died on the cross, hung on a tree, And took our curse, our condemnation upon himself. And then everyone, everyone who stands there before that courtroom and says, He stands in my place, got the rightness he earned credited to our account. Jesus stepped into the courtroom, said, I take their penalty, their curse, and now do this divine substitution. They get all of what I have earned, rightness, perfection before God, the universe, and even with our own hearts. As Paul said earlier in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the motivation there? It's right there in this passage. Love, unconditional, initiatory, proactive love. As the gospel writer John writes in John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes on him won't perish that curse that has been instilled upon us because we can't keep the law has been dealt with, but we would instead are given eternal life. And so now God looks at everyone who trusts that Jesus did that for us in history. And God, full of love and fully just, says over those who trust in Jesus, you're all right, and he means it with all the authority of heaven. God has the divine wisdom to be both fully just and the justifier simultaneously in the work of Jesus Christ crucified for all who place their faith in Jesus. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter three, verse 26. This is the only way to get right. You need to hear God say, you're all right And mean it. And listen, justification isn't somehow God being inauthentic or an overpraising parent whose words are only said to make us feel better than we really are. Justification is appealing to God's cosmic justice, such that when you embrace Jesus, all those failures, all those hurts, all those sins, every mistake and broken and destructive action you have partaken in is placed upon Christ paid in full on the cross, and then in Christ, God looks at us and sees Jesus. Right. Blameless. Innocent. Completely foreign of any good work you have ever done in your entire life. And you know what this means? What God is saying in justification is first, that you're right, you're good, and you're beautiful, or handsome, today. (laughs) You're right, you're good, and you're beautiful today. Not even because of what you've done, not because of who you are, regardless of your ethnicity, your race, your gender, your orientation, your class, but because of what God and Christ has done for you. And your slate is not only wiped clean, but you're then given Jesus' slate. And then secondly... You could never do anything, anything to make God love you more or less because he already loves you with an unconditional, exhaustive love all based solely upon what Jesus has done for you. He'll never condemn you. He'll never leave you or think poorly of you. Instead, even though he can see everything that no one else can see, he has the capacity to view every single one of his children as his favorite child. And this is hard to learn because it completely chafes against what most of us so deeply want, and that is to earn that justification. One of the most infuriating and freeing truths about the gospel is that there is nothing good you have ever done or can do that will earn God's love. And therefore, there's nothing you could ever do to disearn it. Which is why, number three, in justification, what God's saying is you no longer have anything to hide, anything to fear, or anything to prove. You can admit failures. You don't have to always brag about your successes. You can be transparent and honest about your brokenness, about heartache, about failure. You don't have to feel guilty for having joy. Because you're not cursed and you're not condemned any longer. That's been taken care of. And you have a whole new identity in Jesus that has been paid for completely, sufficiently with the death of Christ. So, how do we go from being condemned to free? How do we go from insecurity to security? Well, this security comes in trusting God's voice above all others. This is another fancy way of saying faith. And this is always how God has worked in the world, always. It's true of how he worked with Abraham, the great patriarch, who, as we see in chapter 3, verse 6, believed God. Not that he worked and finally put his case in a sufficient way. before. No, he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God, not just believing that there is a God out there in the world, that that's a pretty good concept for how really civilized people organize their lives. Know that he believed God. He leaned all in with his life, that what God said was true in the very framework of reality. And then, in that trust, he was conferred, he was credited a rightness that did not have its source in himself. I mean, Abraham wasn't perfect, and there's a little bit more on that next week. But instead, Abraham trusted God's voice above all others. And so what's the challenge here? The challenge in the midst of this truth claim is this. We're to trust God's voice above all others. Meaning we believe when God says his son is Jesus Christ in whom he is well-pleased, we believe God when he says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the way he's designed human beings in his perfect standard. We believe God when he speaks to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Trust God's voice above all others. I was talking with somebody after first service and they said, yeah, yeah. Gabe, mentally, I'm there. I can mentally assert and agree to that claim, but moving it from a head acknowledgement to a heart conviction such that it shapes the way I actually live my life, that sounds a lot easier said than done, doesn't it? So, how do we cultivate this trust? How does this principle actually intersect with our lives? When you go to work tomorrow or you begin another leg in searching for work tomorrow, when you're engaging with friends or trying to be a parent or trying to engage in relationships, how do we keep from returning to the crazy talk of trying to justify ourselves and our own existence? Here are three practical steps, okay? Two are more practical steps that get us to the anchored biblical step here in our text. First, notice when that inner critical voice is prominent. Is that inner critical voice the loudest on a Sunday afternoon when all the fears and insecurities of work start to face you afresh? Is that inner critical voice loudest on Friday night late after all the pressures of work are off your back and you've got two days to finally be free? And in the midst of that, that inner critical voice is echoing back all of those insecurities that you're not worth it, that you're not... When? When is that inner critical voice most prominent? And then secondly, write down what that inner voice is saying, that inner critical voice is saying... Because if you consistently let it live in vagaries, it will continually have dominance over you. Write it down. Get a piece piece of paper and a pencil. Get out your phone, whatever it is. And make explicit the insecurities that that inner critical voice is trying to bring against you. Write them out. Make them explicit. And then step three, and this is the gospel difference. With the first two steps, you just end in despair without this last step. The third step is say what God says about you in Jesus to yourself. Say it. Say what God says about you in Jesus to yourself. Many pastors and theologians talk about it this way. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remember that your profile picture, whatever that resume is that you've constantly tried to impress others with, remember that doesn't define you, that Jesus and his finished work on the cross and the affirmation that comes in his resurrection now defines you. And if you've said yes to Jesus, the world and even your inner world has no claim on you. So for me, how does this, how does this work out? Um, every Sunday afternoon, i um, That's kind of when I do my weekly review and my weekly planning. My kids are sleeping and Allie's doing something really marvelous, my wife. Um, And then I'm working on this. I think through, uh, yeah, what were my successes this last week? Where did I fail? Where did I not reach my goals? And then how do I think about this next week? What are the things I need to do, want to do, and still live within some healthy rhythms and make my priorities a priority, right? Right. And it's in that moment when I'm looking at what didn't get done or did get done or looking about what's ahead of me, me, that inner critical voice becomes most prominent right there for me. And it's in that moment I read a sentence to myself. Feel free to steal it. I did from somebody. Um, It's under 140 characters, so it could be your identity tweet. I don't know. I actually put it on Twitter because I'm lame, but it's up there if you want to check it out. Uh, And this is what I read, okay? I am a child of God who has been forgiven and redeemed by Christ alone through faith alone to the glory of God alone. I am a child of God. That's who I am. I am a child of God redeemed and forgiven by Christ alone, not by my successes, and it's not lost because of my failures or what somebody else has said about me. I am a child of God redeemed and forgiven by Christ alone Through faith alone, trusting what God has done in Christ. Why? To the glory of God alone. Not to build me up because I have already security in his unconditional love because of what he's done in Christ. I am a child of God, redeemed and forgiven by Christ alone, by faith alone, to the glory of God alone. And that sentence is the only sentence that's allowed to play in full volume in that inner recesses of my heart when that inner critical spirit begins to rear its ugly head. It's what God says about me because of what Jesus has done. And, you, and listen, you know what sort of newfound security, what this newfound security that comes from the gospel starts to do? When you start to believe God in what he says, the Spirit, that, that truth claim is generative for transformation in our lives. The Spirit takes that trust and that claim and begins to do work in our hearts and our lives such that the Spirit begins to create us, recreate us, new creations to be the kind of people we were meant to be, the people we were designed to be, the people we so deeply longed to be, free and secure people. The Spirit then frees us to do what? To listen to other people. I know that doesn't sound groundbreaking, but it's huge. How many times have you listened to someone and all you're doing is nodding your head while in your mind you're rehearsing what you're about to say because your misery is worse, or, or at least you think, or you're going to one-up them or at least be equal to them because if you can be better or equal to them, then finally you can be right in the world or they need to know how wrong the world has been to you. And so it all becomes and caved back on you but the spirit should free us to actually listen to people and secondly the spirit frees us to actually share our successes because we understand more about the world that every good and perfect gift actually comes from God and how he gives those gifts and brings about good things is through other people in community in those moments it frees you to actually encourage other people in good things and to celebrate their successes instead of leaning into bitterness or anger because you didn't have the same opportunities or outcomes but you're free to actually celebrate what others have done because you're secure in Christ the spirit frees you to do something that it sounds almost unthinkable anymore and that's to be quiet such that when really great things happen and God has done them through you, you don't have to go around showcasing them to everybody because God knows. And your security, your identity is in what Christ has done, not in consistently and incessantly trying to prove yourself to other people. You see, this kind of security comes by no other way than hearing God say, you're all right and mean it. Why? Why do we need to hear God say this? Because only God's voice will do your heart justice and really do justice to the world simultaneously. And praise God, because of Jesus, He can and will say you're all right if you trust Him. The question is, are you listening? Do you believe Him? Do you trust what He's saying to you? How about this week, we start saying To ourselves what God says about us and see what the spirit begins to do in us let's pray God I know we're all we've got a lot of different journeys in this room and some are coming off of highs of great successes in life a great week a finished project at work a new job And others are coming off of a failure, feel like they've dropped the ball, feel like nothing is going right. And in both situations, security is only possible. And remember, at the end of the day, your love is unconditionally focused towards us because of what someone else who is perfect did for us. Thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and his complete work on the cross. And God, I pray, Lord, that this this truth, the very center of the gospel, being justified by faith in Christ alone, would weasel its way all the way into the deepest recesses of our heart and silence that inner critical voice. May we rest in the gospel afresh. May we have security in your unconditional love through Jesus. And so, God, by the power of your Spirit, be the people you've called us to be who then unconditionally love others the same. This is the pathway to the full life. May we trust your gospel by the power of your Spirit and in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.